And welcome to the gaming based interview series on the Nico Penguin YouTube channel, Facebook page for productive gamers by a gamer with your host, Nico Penguin. And today we are joined by an actual professional comedian, entertainment network owner, a pro wrestler fanatic, author, and an esports commentator. Flowboy Boyce, thank you so much for joining us today. Wow, you put it like that. I sound like I'm super important, man. So let's be here on Thanksgiving night. This is going to be crazy. It's going to be a good time. Yeah, I mean, when I saw your resume, I said, how can I book Flobo? Because what? <laughs> you look like a stack of superstar. Like, what? You do everything? What don't you do is what I was thinking. <laughs> For it, uh, get myself noticed. That's what I don't do, right? But it's all good, <laughs> man. Nico. <laughs> No, no. So thank you so much for taking time out of your day. Happy holidays to you since this is yeah. uh, Thanksgiving. And I just want to jump in because this is a gaming based uh, podcast. I don't want to Did you ask, eat yet today or are you going to do this afterwards? I'm curious. Oh, no, I am stuffed right now. It's, okay, it's okay. 9 p.m. on the East Coast. I'm stuffed. Oh, okay. I, I ate like two hours ago and I'm still full. <laughs> Now, but uh, we're just going to jump right in. What is your favorite game system? Because as somebody who has a lot of professions, you must have something that you prefer more than others. Uh, now more than ever, because of, of the, the games I cast and it's, it's easier production wise, it's the PC. Uh, Ooh, I guess that's okay. what it is. But like I and I still am an Xbox guy, like okay, Xbox okay. all over. I and mean, even my controller is an Xbox controller. Uh, when I do, even when I do like my own uh, casting things. Is mm -hmm. you know, there's a time where Windows to me had better design. I had a Windows phone. I was the only person on the planet with a Windows phone. <laughs> life until I had to like get myself off that platform because it, it sunsetted. So yeah, uh, I have Xbox One currently. I'm actually was going to buy uh, the Series X for the Black Friday. So Ooh. I'm pretty much in that ecosystem for forever. Ooh, and so since you are a shoutcaster, can you let everybody know what sport or esport you uh, do shoutcasting for? Yeah, I dabble with smaller things like Formula One and and WWE 2K22, but the the main one is Rocket League. Rocket League is a game that I got into when I was having a tough uh, spot in my life personally, and so mm -hmm. I love this game so much that being able to just share my excitement with other people over these this game. And for those who don't know, I'm sure your your listeners do, but like it's basically it's cars playing soccer. So it's my job to like make every move count, make you feel something, even though they. There actually are machines you know it's, it's not like smash brothers we can see mario wins when he gets punched in the face i mean mm -hmm. these are like you know machines and so it's really up to me to like really give you that that kind of home feel so primarily rocket league uh i was i was able to do rlcs uh the top flight uh mm -hmm. in different regions like south america and, and sub-saharan africa uh but i do dabble whatever uh that's needed because since i do irl professional wrestling commentary sometimes it's kind of like we see the hype guy get him <laughs> <laughs> yes yes no so i want to know how did you get into that because if you played it how did you yeah. get into being the one behind the voice behind the box and how did you get into the behind the scenes aspect of it you know what i, I don't want to call it luck man but but, but it was a cas uh, cascading bits of like uh, uh serendipitousness you know what i mean like it was the pandemic so i was playing i was playing just an hour or so i started my own business all right mm -hmm. put a step back i started my own business and i was getting stressed out i wasn't working so i would take an hour and play the game i, I got familiar with it during the pandemic about six weeks later i joined a senior circuit for players over the age of 30 of the game rocket league and they're going to yeah, have yeah. their 
tournament. They called it a quarant tournament because back they thought, they thought the quarantine is going to be like three weeks long, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they said, "Hey, look, man, you're a stand-up comedian. We've listened to your albums. Just tell some old people jokes while we're playing the game because we're old, oh. old men who are right, old right. We're playing." So it was my job was to be like, you know, pull over, Grandpa. It's time for your nap, or have some prune juice, or or, or whatever. Uh, and I did that uh, for the tournament uh, with the senior series esports crew. And at the end, someone pulled me aside and was like, "Hey, man, you." need to do casting uh hmm. for like a career and i'm i'm from a time and period like I, i'm in my, my mid to late 30s and i'm a time where i recognize video games you know but like games is something you did an hour a week if you did your homework like a right, whole career right. a whole esport thing was still pretty new to me but they go no get on discord i'm like what's a discord i'll tell you, discord. <laughs> <laughs> you know? and, and that became a thing and so I, I i showed up to any gig i got i worked for free for a long time Mm -hmm. I worked for like rec leagues. Uh, I got, I got, a, I got there a half an hour early. I thanked all my co-casters and the production people because they were basically holding my hand how right. to work vMix, how to work the Discord, how to work mm -hmm. voice chat. Uh, my first ever setup was a MacBook Air and a Blue Yeti in front of my Xbox in my living room. So even before oh. I had a computer, mm -hmm. I was doing this. And so it kind of just became like, hey, you sit there, you were consistent, you work for free for a bit, and you weren't a jerk. Uh, that's when people go, oh, yeah, that guy, Novanta, he's like, you know, he's not bad. Give him a shot. And every time I said I got a shot, I just took it because I had nowhere to go. I was a comedian right. that couldn't go to comedy clubs because it was the pandemic. And so it's mm. been two years and, and and I've been able to do a lot of things. And it just one thing after the other, man, it worked out for me. Wow, that's actually so interesting from being a player to being uh, pretty much recruited and scouted out to be almost kind of forced to do it uh but it's only because you do such a such a good job now i always wanted to ask uh somebody who does who did commentary is how do you not run out of things to say especially when the action is either stale there's nothing really interesting going on how do you hype even that up or how do you come up with things to talk about that doesn't detract from said game so it, it comes down to three things. One, your co-caster, right? If your co-caster mm. is, if you're joking with them, you have a good rapport, then you can basically go off on tangents and make jokes and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. uh, second, on the surface, a lot of times you can say everything without saying a thing. And mm. what I mean by that, if you mention the score, the time left in the round, what they need to do to get back even for the losing team, what they do to secure a victory for a winning team, you could eat time without actually saying something. You could say, oh. hey, look, 90 seconds ago, Team B is down by three goals. It will take a lot to get them in the game, but I know they really want to do that because everyone here is watching them on stream. I have told you nothing about the game. Right, right. But that's enough to keep you <laughs> engaged until something does happen. Uh, but on top of that, because in the game of Rocket League, I'm was considered a low-level player. Like for, for, for context, I'm not sure if you're fans or Rocket League fans. I'm Diamond Two, which mm. means I'm like top 30%, but that's not nearly as good to be a pro player. So right. I've been clapped before. <laughs> I've lost by a lot before. So I usually land on the psychological right what does it mean to score a goal for pride what does it mean to be mm -hmm. faster just to beat your opponent one more time what does it mean to to sit there and slip through a goal when no one really thinks you have a chance and so i think a lot of things comes from that and of course there's always humor right you can always say hey look nothing's really going on they're down by 12 but we're going to be here <laughs> we know exactly what we're doing you know what i mean and, and at first it becomes kind of weird because you you think you're, you're, you're catching the things to say but over time it really becomes second nature 
And have you ever witnessed a slaughter like that before? Like a 12 and 0? Uh, no, I, I've seen I've seen a, a thirteen two before. Uh, that was pretty fun. <laughs> wow, yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Uh, yeah. I definitely want to know what are your favorite moments, if you are able to say about uh, anything that you witnessed that was either really funny or like a very very like David and Goliath moment like that. Oh man! So there's the the game itself, right? Because like there's like those come from behind wins. I, I, there was a Ooh. game I, I forgot what series. I think it was Frost, or one team was up with a Barcelona, which is when you have eight goals and your opponent has two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that team that had the eight goals lost the game, right? So that was kind of Ooh. fun to say, come from behind six goals. Mm-hmm. But like when it comes down to like the the kind of moments you remember, it's when in my career I got asked to do ROCS, but in a, in a separate region. So ROCS mm-hmm. is like a top flight for rocket league mm-hmm. uh rcs and uh, north america or europe is like the circuit right yeah, yeah. But like this other areas too like oceania uh, north africa and the middle east and, and in my case sub-saharan africa so even though they're smaller regions they treat it as if it's that so here in the west coast i live in los angeles so here in the mm-hmm. west coast to get ready for a african tournament or south african tournament i'm up at like five o'clock in the morning 5 30 a.m to warm up my voice for 6 a.m showtime and mm. even though that is rough especially when you party the night before or work the night before <laughs> it, it it does make you feel like you're professional like you feel like you're part of the game that someone's booked you they've right. asked you and you show up and you say oh my gosh welcome also yes it's a small region that's growing let's have a good time and i remember those moments the most you know like doing that for women's car ball which is a women's league sub-saharan mm-hmm. africa south america uh those are the ones that that you go hey look no one's really give you the hype because you're in these small regions i'm gonna give you that hype how do you find something to say in those moments yeah, that's a good question. You know what? There's a lot of things to pull from. The players themselves and names of the players, the time on the clock, your co-caster. Sometimes I ask my co-caster, you know what? You're 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 a better player than I am, quote unquote. How would you do it? Uh, my idea is hmm. my mission number one mm-hmm. when I'm in the casting booth, typically I work color, right? A color, I'm an analyst. I mm-hmm. actually think there's one person who's never seen Rocket League or the game I'm casting before at all. So mm-hmm. I say that not to talk down to them, but I want to be able to ask the dumb questions or break down why a play is important to make sure that people understand. So when you have a play-by-play, they're going to town over what's mm-hmm. happening, they will throw it to you and go, yep, and he missed once again. I go, you know what I've really realized here? Ba-da-da-da. This guy has tried three times and missed. I wonder if they're frustrated. What do you think in the what do you think, chat? <laughs> you know what I mean? Just to make sure they're engaged. Because one of the things about esports a lot of the people who grew up with esports will realize it's mm-hmm. still a foreign concept to those of a certain age if you're 25 right. or older it's like wait people are getting paid people are getting <laughs> out of school yeah. to, do, to do esports and so i think i'm that bridge to be like no this is a big deal because this person takes 12 hours on their training packs to make sure that play is possible here's why you should be cheering them i think that's all the difference well so out of all the things you focus on the priority that uh that bridges pretty much two different generations the generation that grew up playing and the generation that just saw it as a negative stigma oh yeah absolutely i would say the one word is psychological 
right? Uh, I can mm. talk about the actual screen, but we, you can see it. My play-by-play -play is describing it. So I got to find something else that no one's talking about or no one can see themselves. It makes no sense for me to be like, well, you know, they just missed that one. That's pretty bad. Like that makes them feel bad, right? If you're playing, you can imagine, again, as a low-level player, you're mm -hmm. on stream, you miss an open net or you didn't get the headshot if you're playing like, Call of Duty or Valorant, and yep. your caster's dunking on you like, well, that's how it be sometimes, <laughs> right? No, but you say, okay, well, they had an opportunity there, but it didn't work out for them. I bet if they had another opportunity, they would want to make sure it's a dead shot for them. I hope that happens. I'm rooting for them. That's a psychological aspect of that player that's playing, and anyone who's played that video game, because unlike traditional sports, you can basically download the game today, and if right. you're good enough, join a team, that's something they're internalized. Because when it comes down to IRL sports or esports, we all have that fantasy of being mm. the one that carries the team ourselves. Fact. We all have that fantasy of being the hero or the World Series or whatever. It's I like to say that I want to be able to, to help you feel that win or lose. Now, when you're commentating, do you find yourself um, having trouble maintaining your hypeness? Like when you see like a come from behind win, how do you like maintain your composure? Because we already discussed how you, you know, keep it fresh when it's boring. But mm -hmm. how do you how do you not explode into a fit of excitement when it's like really popping? I think some excitement's okay. Uh, I, I think if if you allow yourself to be a fan while, while maintaining your professional aspect of it, that stuff is pretty cool. But one of the cool one of the things I tell newer casters when they ask me this, which is weird because I feel like I just started casting yesterday, but it's been <laughs> two years now. It's been two right, and a half right. years. Uh, is that don't confuse hype with volume. So mm. many new casters are like, oh, what a what a shot! And then when nothing happens, it goes. <sighs> You know, I always say, if you want to know what hype is, I say, imagine you're, I, imagine you're coming to my house for a party mm -hmm. and it's like 7 p.m. The music's blaring. I go, oh, what's up, Nico? Thanks so much for rolling by. Here, you bring the ice? Great. And then I say, imagine a party where I invited you and I want you to be there, but I got a really like nosy neighbor that's going to call the cops. Yo, hey, Nico, thanks so much for coming by. Drop the ice. I'm still engaged with you. I'm still mm. hype. My volume is different. And that helps out two ways. One, you don't blow out your voice when you're doing these things because every goal can't be amazing. Right, and two, right. that makes you way more dynamic with your co-caster. Because there's some co-casters are very like, and then, 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 this is the shot. This is what happened. This will go. And there's some co-casters who try really hard to be like, welcome to an exciting edition. And as the color, typically, it's my job to be complimentary. So if that person's super hype, mm -hmm. I come down to make sure we have a bit of a balance. And that person's here, I go up to give that some sort of like dynamic balance. So once you understand the difference between hype and volume, it opens you up to really serve the show to make it more of an entertaining endeavor. Man, that's actually pretty interesting having so many different vantage points and uh, things to think about with esports commentating. Cause you know, before I would just think like, wow, like this guy right here, he's super energetic. I want to hear him more. Or man, that one right there, he makes the game. He, that was an amazing comeback. Like, why did it feel so boring? He had no energy in his voice. And the way that you're breaking it down, it's like almost like a masterclass of how to like <laughs> communicate. That that is so intriguing, and you've only been doing that for two years. Yeah, you know what? Also, I think a lot of people who start like to be play by play uh, because people think about being the person on the call, and so when they that's why they call color casting the second spot. 
Mm-hmm. And a lot of people who maybe play by play go, okay, I'm in the second spot. I'll just say my thing while I'm going. But I like to treat it as a show. The person who's doing play by play is I let them be the smartest person in the room. Mm. I let them be the one to really let me know what's happening. I mm-hmm. always ask, hey, what would you do in a situation or having to run a game? It's my job to say what they're saying, break it down in a funny way or a simplistic way that if you didn't know the mechanics of what's happening, you'll know why it's a big deal. And I think so many color casters don't do that because so many color casters see themselves as the hero casting the fantastic goal or moment. Uh But when that moment's done and it's my turn to talk, I can't say, that was a good goal. You're right there, Nico. I got to say, well, think about the goal, but look about the defense. This is why this is important because they split the defense with about 10 seconds of goal, and now they have the go-aheads opportunity. Again, you fill in the parts that weren't said. And if you're watching that as a neutral, you go, oh my gosh, that goal was amazing, or that shot was amazing, that that formation was amazing. I'm invested. I don't have a side or a team, but I have one now because of how they did it. How do you, how do you, wow, that was a very good breakdown. How do you even pay attention to what wasn't said? How do you know, like how you just mentioned, if the play-by-play, you know, mentions how the 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 play went, the goal was scored. How do you focus on the things that weren't commented on? Because you did mention that you're a top thirty percent uh, in the game, but how do you know what they didn't say that was a key importance to the overall play? Sure, a lot of times people focus on the offense because that's the forward action. Right. So unless it's a a save out of everyone's mind. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, That's why I always say, but if you don't know what to do, if you're like lost at sea, do the opposite. If someone's talking Mm -hmm. about the offense of a team, say the defense. If someone's talking about a fantastic save or block, you go over the offense. But over time, you'll notice that depending who you work with, they tend to focus Mm -hmm. on certain players or certain formations or certain teams. There's a lot of things that haven't been said. There's about team chemistry is an aspect that I was talking about or individual frustration for a team that's tried so hard to, to get forward. I'm trying to be as nervous as I can because I know you have audiences from different sports, but the, the, the idea of being frustrated that you couldn't move the payload in Overwatch, for example. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like there's mm-hmm. there's really aspects you can tap into and say, hey, look, I, as a fan, I'm wondering, what would you do if you had three opportunities to win this round and you didn't do it and you're still playing? Do you say, let's drop this game and move on? Or do you just try to lock yourselves in? So a lot of it is listening to your play-by-play if you're, if you're a color. And if you're the play-by-play person, you want to be able to be consistent with your calls to give your color caster some opportunity to chime in there because you're recovering offense and defense and time and everything in your call. You've totally blocked out any opportunity for your co-cast, the person supposed to make your show great to mm-hmm. say anything. And that kind of makes it sound like a one person endeavor. Man, that is so intriguing. And before I even continue asking questions, I do want to give you the opportunity to let other people know where they can support you, uh, whether it's the esports commentary as well as the other things, uh, because you have a list of things that you do. And I want everybody that listens today uh, to give you the opportunity to you know, follow and support you. Oh, so personally, I'm at Flobo Boys. You can see that right here. That's available on Twitter and also Instagram. But if you want to know more about my casting itself, I'm under Novanta RL. That's N-O-V-A-N-T-A-R-L. Novanta is Italian for 90. So Novanta RL, that's available on Twitter 
and on Instagram, you'll see clips of my casting, clips of me actually playing the game of Rocket League, and some of the things I've casted on as well for different sports like F1 and WWE 2K2. And look, if you want to know more about me personally and how I uh, somehow survived college to be an adult, <laughs> check out my book. It's called Graduation Day, available now on Amazon. Graduation Day is available. It has some really cool life lessons in there. You'll probably love it. Man. Yo, now you gave me so many more questions now. Let's go. Uh, Let's go, baby. So, so when you when you uh, how did you overall get into uh the pro wrestling aspect? How did you become a fan and how did that uh career open up for you? Yeah, so a lifelong fan. Uh when I was a kid, I used to watch uh, WWE WWF Superstars and WWF mm -hmm. Wrestling Challenge. Uh I worked on this is network that's uh that went down during the pandemic called Afterbuzz TV. Mm -hmm. Uh they did it after shows for shows, so I was a after show host for NXT and WWE Raw. So every week I, I came in because wrestling has no reruns and mm -hmm. I'll break down the action, the matches, and, and talk about that. That got me a job with Spotify for about a year and a half when one of their shows called Mac Mania, where mm -hmm. me, Evan T. Mac, and Jack Farmer, where we met at After Buzz, we, we, we break down wrestling uh, week in, week out. That just got sunsetted uh, last week. But in doing that, having the 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 hours of just looking at wrestling, which is basically theater in the rounds, and, mm -hmm. and discussing not only the wins and losses, but character motivations and mm -hmm. costumes and, and storylines, um, I got asked to do some commentary for local promotions. In 2011, I was a, a backstage interviewer for Mach 1 Wrestling in Anaheim. I did a couple shows for Republic of Lucha in Pasadena. Um, I don't know if you have any wrestling fans here, but in AEW, there is a tag team called the Lucha Bros, uh, mm -hmm. Ray Phoenix, Pentagon, El Cerro Medo. They own this shop in Pasadena called Republic of Lucha. They start running their own shows in the backyard. Mm -hmm. I did one of the, the commentary for that. So in a way, I was a lifelong fan, familiar with the content and material, but that mixed with my appreciation of like structure and having shows and giving people a chance to interact on these broadcasts, these podcasts, opened a lot of doors for me uh, as a professional. And so that kind of works with the the esports the esports works with the wrestling it kind of goes back and forth now how did you get so well versed in public speaking because if you also do uh if you're also a, a professional comedian that means yeah. your your talent is your voice so how did you enter into the realm of you know speaking in front of people as well into the realm of being comfortable speaking in front of a mic so i'm deathly scared <laughs> what no my, no shoot, my, my day job is like i'm actually a wedding dj too so like my oh. day job which is nights and weekends i i get in the microphone and i go please welcome newlyweds or, or whatever but um i don't want to make the show too dark but my my life's goal was to mm -hmm. always try stand up mm. and um this is a little backstory so i used to be very very heavy I used to weigh 375 pounds. Uh, for those of you who don't know what that means, that's like I wore my T-shirt was a size six extra large. Yeesh. My jeans were a size 56 inch waist. Um, and I did it. I lost the weight naturally, but I had a lot of skin uh, in my in my, my gut or whatever, I had like loose skin because was, I was so mm -hmm. big for so long. And I got the skin removed. 
Um, and about three days after that skin removal surgery, which is called the flirtiliamblioplasty, a part of my scar line had reopened up and I almost mm -hmm. bled out and died on oh my, my couch, uh, just as a complication. And when you are about to die, you get kind of nervous about that. And then you mm -hmm. get kind of like cool with it. You're like, ah, oh, well, you know, I had a good run. And I had two big regrets. I mean, the small regrets is always like, oh, I wish I dated more people. I wish I had more money, but I had two big regrets. <laughs> um, it was, I never rode a motorcycle, which I did. And I never tried comedy, stand-up mm. comedy, because I was a fan of The Tonight Show and Jay Leno and all that stuff. And so uh, I thought I was going to pass away. I didn't. I woke up the next day uh, with this giant, like, four-inch scar that had, like, congealed and didn't bleed out after all. Mm -hmm. And I said, this is my second lease on life or my new lease on life. Took a comedy class uh, that summer and I started doing stand-up. And stand-up comedy in 2014 was really the first time I was comfortable with being in front of a microphone because it was something I really wanted to do. It mm -hmm. was something I go, I've seen death. Nothing could be scarier than that. You right. know, so when someone tells me, I don't know how you could be a comedy comedian, it, it's nerve-wracking. I go, yeah, it is. But yeah. I had saw myself going into the light. So it was like, oh, it can't be that bad. Um, but, but doing comedy in 2014 opened me up to be a wedding MC in 15 and that became a DJ in 16 and that became a commentary in 19 that became a esports shoutcaster in 20 and so on and so on. Wow. So it's like literally one thing just led to another and the momentum just never ceased for you. You know what? It's funny. Cause like, uh, Ian Fleming, which is the guy that wrote James Bond, uh, it said like you only live twice, you know, once when you're born and once when you stare death in the face. And I feel like mm. at that time that that surgery was really like the start of the next chapter for your boy flow of voice. <laughs> wow. That is so interesting. And you yeah. actually went and pursued your dreams. Cause I know some people that they stared death in their, in the eyes and they said, I'm going to go back and continue doing the same exact thing. So other than having that fear that you were going to, you know, pass away and never confront the actual attempts, what kept you going? Because there must have been something that gave you the opportunity or the mindset to think that maybe I can actually accomplish this. Or was it just that you didn't want to, you know, pass away and just think that I never even tried? So, you know, it's one of those things when like you, you're trying to like, if you see like a, a chicken or a duck try to fly, it's like mm -hmm. the they'll run, they'll jump and they'll come down and then yeah. run and jump and come down and then they'll fly. Yeah. So that first comedy class, it was actually a group on for my girlfriend at the time. She was like, Hey, you want to do comedy, right? Go ahead and do it. And I'm going, okay. And so I was, I was like deathly nervous with my little group on piece of paper, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I went to the comedy school and I was early. I guess the guy didn't think that he had students that early. It was like, he came out when I showed up, he goes, Hey, who are you? And I was like, uh, I'm here for the comedy class. He goes, get out of here. You're early. <laughs> you know? And so I got into the car and I was like, now if that was me, if that was my group on, I would have gone home and the show would have been over, but I was living with my girlfriend at the time. And I didn't feel like I could go home and be like, he scared me. I didn't do it. <laughs> so, so I did the class and I enjoyed the class hmm. and then the, I enjoyed my graduation and that became a thing. So like people say, are you self-made? I go, yeah, there's a lot of drive that I have to do it. But the person that really gave me the first opportunity was my ex-girlfriend and, and, and the, the, the fear of quitting at first, I, I couldn't do it because someone had bought into me. I'll give you another example. Um, that surgery I had mm -hmm. to remove the excess skin was about 
I mean, not to make it a, a money thing. It was about eight grand. Didn't have Yeesh. it. Uh, I GoFundMe. Well, back then it wasn't GoFundMe. It was you caring back then. But but GoFundMe bought it. So I, I GoFundMe that. Mm -hmm. and, and now I avoid Thanksgiving as I record this because it's an overeating holiday. Mm. Uh, 14 of my friends chipped in to get me surgically created abs. <laughs> you know? So I'm going to be on the right path because people bought in. People mm. saw the work I did and say, we have faith in you. And I bought in. So on some level, yeah, a lot of it is hustle and grind and being yourself, but no one's really truly self-made. You have to have that village, man. You got that support team, whether it's your parents, your friends, your family to really go ahead and, and, and do it. You need someone to be like, you need cheerleaders to say, whatever happens, we'll do it. You need that one person who's like, okay, you're doing it, but how are you going to pay the bills? Just one. Don't get too many of those or else you won't do anything. Right, right, it's, right. It, it's okay to lean on people when you're first starting out, whatever the hell it is you want to do, to make sure you're not going off into the ether. Now, just to give everybody like a little snippet of your book, because you did write a book. And for those that don't know, what is it primarily about? Sure. So this is my first. So I've written seven books before. About those are fiction. This book, Graduation Day, is my first memoir. When I graduated college many, many moons ago, <laughs> I, I didn't, he, he meant well, but I didn't really care for my commencement speaker. He was like a regional manager at a Walmart, and he was talking about how uh, his job is difficult and we can pull from. And I go, okay, great. But I felt like when I graduated, I had all the book smarts, but nothing really appealed to me that I can apply to. I already made the risk going from New York City to this small town in Florida, you mm -hmm. know, to, to to get this education. But what does it really mean? But what I realized that as an adult, the things that I pulled from my college days wasn't so much about any chapter in a book, but it was like dealing with people who disagree with you on a political level, or it was working fast because it was like a lot of short resources. Mm -hmm. So I said, you know what? What would it be if I was brought back? to my college to give a commencement speech? What would I say to that those college kids when I was there? And so that's what graduation day is about. The first chapter is me sitting there talking about my experience giving a commencement speech. Yeah. The chapters they're going are the life lessons and principles that I learned as an adult. I'm talking about losing the weight or starting a, a stationary business or mm -hmm. when that stationary business failed, how do I recover from that business or DJing a wedding in Italy, knowing full well, I couldn't afford to fly out to Italy, but I wanted to save my business. Mm. And the last chapter was what would I actually would say in a commencement speech that could help 19, 20, 21 year olds if they're on their own path. So it's called Graduation Day. It's available on Amazon. So that's what it's really about. So commencement speech is bookended in the middle, just like chapters of stories that I've got into, situations I learned, or how to apply life lessons to, and how that would help me as an adult. Now, I did want to ask, since you do a lot of public speaking as well as a, a whole list of different vocational kind of occupations, would that be something that you would be professionally interested in if your university or any other uh, post-secondary um, uh, education reached out to you to do that kind of a speech? Nico, Nico, Nico. I would have said at first, if you would have asked me this three years ago, I'd have been like, oh, hell no. <laughs> but I, but I'll, I'll tell you a story. So the March 2020, mm -hmm. uh, literally the day when the world shut down, 
Mm-hmm. My undergrad had to reach out to me and said, because I was a communication major. They said, hey, look, ah. we have this thing called, um, I was broadcast. We have, because there's journalism and stuff. We have this thing called Com Week. <laughs> we have this thing called Com Week. Do you want to come and, and teach the kids comedy? And I go, I don't, how do you teach someone? I mean, I got taught comedy, but mm-hmm. I'm just a schlub. What, what are you talking about? And so I flew out there with a curriculum that for a two hour <laughs> seminar. Uh-huh. In this, like, um, I won't say bar. It was like a, uh, like a community, like, like an Alamo draft house, like a community, mm-hmm. like theater. Mm-hmm. And I taught kids for two hours about how I approach comedy, and that at the end of it, there was like a, a showcase. If you wanted to do comedy, you could, you could. And half the kids said yes, half the kids said no. And at that moment, I go, oh my gosh, the kids I coach are pretty good for first time, second time mm-hmm. comics. Mm-hmm. I, 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 this is kind of cool. But I was literally the day the world shut. Like that's the day the NBA stopped, the NFL stopped. It uh, was like uh-huh. we did it because we were off campus. And then by Friday, it was like get back to LA as soon as you can. So to answer your question, I'll be open to it. Yeah, that was a, a career path for me to, to share my experiences, especially as someone that came from the East Coast, went down to Florida, now living in the West Coast in entertainment. I've been in here for 20 years. Why the heck not? And since you sound like somebody that is willing to give back as well as to teach, would that be something that you would pursue uh, being a, a either a trainer, consultant, or an advisor, teacher? Because it sounds like the individuals uh, that are newer to uh, shoutcasting or esport commentary, commentary, they reach out to you or you get plugged into them and you willingly give them material. Would that be something that you would add to the list of things that you do from all the things that you currently do now? Oh, yeah. I mean, when it comes to comedy and professional development, sure. Uh, I haven't monetized it yet. When people hit me up, though, and if I can help them, I can't. Um, a lot of, not so much now, but during the, in the thick of the pandemic, I was mm-hmm. like the podcast guy. People hit me up all the time. How do you launch a podcast? I had, I had at the most seven mm-hmm. uh, or eight during the, po- the pandemic. But yeah, sometimes people hit me up for, for e- esports things. Absolutely. Because it now more than ever, on the esports side, they're looking for different voices and ages and colors and gender expressions. They they are looking for that because mm-hmm. it does seem pretty much one color for a lot of these sports now, or one or homogenous to say the word is. When it comes to professional development or comedy, also open. Haven't really thought about that as a career path or revenue stream or what have you. But you know, there's there's so many situations where people hold back information and they try to be yeah. gatekeepers, and you're yeah. like. Once you realize that you can give anyone all the information they need and they still may not do it, then it becomes a lot more freeing, a lot more liberating. My favorite teachers aren't the ones that tell me to look in the book. They're the mm-hmm. ones that say, here's what I realized I worked for me. Your results may vary. Exactly. Yes. And I'm surprised that you haven't thought about that because it sounds like you literally go in every opportunity and every endeavor and you're the go-to guy for the information. Well, thank you. <laughs> Those <laughs> fingers, man. No, because it really was a community. With Rocket League specifically, it was a community that gave back to me because mm-hmm, I played mm-hmm. it as an antidepressant. So anytime I can give back, and if I, if I can, then I would. Like one of my rec league teams, my league esports, I hang around in the caster channel and I'll do caster critiques. Mm. Uh, but anything beyond that, yeah, of course. If someone's interested in just like, like bringing me out to talk like this for a seminar or to bring tips and tricks of how to be confident on the microphone, that's something I would love to do. 
Yeah, because I'm all about the empowerment and, and pushing now. I do want to have a, a, this weird question in my head because you started this during the pandemic. And now that we're phasing back to IRL things, would that be something that you would have to balance, like doing things in, in person now versus like virtually commentating? Because if you're sure. going to go back to being a professional comedian and being on the road, would that be something that conflicts with your schedule? Uh, so, being a virtual commentator versus physically being in like clubs and bars and doing comedy. So yes, but not the way you're thinking. So like the idea is being able to go to lands. I haven't, I have not been to a, a true land yet. I've done ah. a couple of things here in Los Angeles, but like I want to do RC, RLCS. I want to do top flight. Um, that hasn't quite happened yet, but it's not so much a comedy thing. It's like the DJ stuff. The mm. wedding DJ stuffs are weekends and most lands are weekends. Um, and so that's something I have to reconcile with during the pandemic. Like I mentioned a couple minutes before I had uh, at most eight podcasts going simultaneously. Like One you were the, the host or co-host. Yeah. It's right here in this Yeesh. bedroom. I, I had a star Trek show, a wrestling show. I had my art and culture podcast. I had my what's up Flobo. I had my Netflix. Like I had, I had Yo. one for every thing because no one was going anywhere and mm -hmm, i was trying mm -hmm. to get comedy for all these things so when everyone think kind of opened up and for me it kind of hit me like spring of 2022 that's when things started ramping down i didn't have to do star trek as much anymore i didn't have to do wrestling as much anymore i got mother our responsibilities uh and so that's stuff that's pretty much been one by the wayside but i would love if this was the dream if you tell me if I had a, if all things are created equal and I got the money I wanted and the lifestyle I wanted and the car I wanted and the music videos I wanted, <laughs> definitely doing the comedy stuff during the week, put me on the road, see me at this town, that town, this theater, that theater, and on weekends put on the jacket and do the commentary for the lands. Those two things were great because one of the cool things about in this industry now, cool things about being in, uh, uh, in the workforce in 2022 is that mm -hmm. there's more than one way to be yourself Ooh. and make a living for it. You know, Ooh. my dad, my, my parents are immigrants, you know, so my mm -hmm. mom was a nurse for 34 years. My dad worked on trains in New York City for 35 years mm -hmm. and they, they were serving it to an organization. But I, Global Boys, can be booked to, to do your wedding. To do Yeesh. your land, to do your speech, okay. <laughs> to do your podcast hosting. That didn't happen. Two generations ago, my grandparents was out in crops cutting down sugar cane, man. Like, I know I'm grateful. I know I'm grateful for what it is. But, yeah, if I had the opportunity, I would definitely lean in those two things. And more grateful than any other day, especially the day where people just stuff themselves. So that's actually so cool that you were able to uh, put it in that manner because it literally gives you the – the facts of the matter that you know today's generation today's opportunity and economy allows you to actually you know do what you love and hopefully get paid for it. especially somebody that has so many different things that they're doing but eight podcasts now yeah. now that not now that brings me into time management how yeah. do you juggle all your different responsibilities and how do you prioritize from the most important to something that could just be i'll do it later True. So I, one, have a calendar, right? You have a calendar. You say, hey, it's Thursday. New Amsterdam comes out this week. Promote New Amsterdam. Oh, it's Friday. Well, I kept Fridays open for like, for this. I would like, usually I would, I would be Friday with my interview 
via guests on the show today. Mm -hmm. But you know what day you have to do for what responsibilities. Right, but right. people always ask you, how do you make 24 hours work? And I say, you don't. I don't. Mm. What I did is I made 48, 35-minute blocks or 30-minute blocks. Because what ah. people lose time on is when you have a, a, a interview or a call and it ends at 140 or 1240 mm -hmm, and we go, mm -hmm. all right, at, at the next hour, I'm going to do this. And that's where you lose the time. There, there isn't like four hours mysteriously disappearing. It's you went grocery shopping for an hour, you pack groceries for 30 minutes and you go, all right, I'm going to sit here and chill out until the next hour. And so when I have my productivity calendar or clock, it's for 35 minutes on my phone. Mm -hmm. uh, I always set it, and at 35 minutes when it's done, I have an option. I can reset for 35 more, or I have to move on to something else. Mm. So things that I would like anguish over, like writing an email, which would be like an hour long, I go, I got 35 minutes. If it's not done, I got to either drop it tomorrow or move on to something else or add more time. Mm -hmm. And I think that got me into it. There's a theory I have about like the energy gas tank. Yeah, I yeah. think everyone has a full gas tank and everyone has an empty gas tank. But the difference between someone who hustles and someone who doesn't is someone who's that third of a tank going, oh, I'll see you tomorrow, versus someone who goes, I'm going to ride it to quarter tank, for example. And those little small moments come from. Because those 20 minutes is when I, today, for example, it's, it's Thanksgiving Day. And right. I'm not trying to tell you to hustle because I know hustle culture can be toxic. Yes. But today, <laughs> but today I call my mom. I went for a run. Uh, I, I paid some bills. You know what I mean? In those small gaps of those yes. hours, those those mm -hmm. 15 minutes at the end of an hour, I was mm -hmm. able to do a little something for myself. And by the end of the day, I had that on top of my other responsibilities done. And it was already new. Only thing on my schedule for the past six hours was your show. I was like, cool. I'm going to lay out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> a nice little cool beverage. It was great. <laughs> Now, out of all the things that you do, since it sounds like you have a phenomenal way of time management, uh, time managing, how do you prevent anything to happen to your voice? Since it sounds like your voice is uh, the number one benefactor of all of your professions. Like, do you have specific rituals, specific drinks, specific uh, sleep schedules? Like, how do you protect your most valuable asset being your voice? Sometimes you just say, I'm going to go for it. Whatever. <laughs> you know? uh, it depends on the show. Like if, if someone's paying a lot of money or for top flight, you just go, I'll just blow it out and get it done later. Um, but yeah, it's true what they say. Hydrate. Hydrate's the number one thing. Um, and not and if you drink Powerade or Gatorade, which is fine, you have to be active because it's just salt, right? But I mean like water, coconut juice, coconut water, um, sleeping. I drink a lot of caffeine. You really shouldn't. But if you, if you can... <laughs> Let's say from the caffeine. There's only been one time where I blew up my voice to the point where I couldn't couldn't perform. Mm -hmm. um, but that's what I talked to you about hype versus energy, right? Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. once you understand and establish that you could be hype or you could be energetic without the high registers, then you can always bring it down and go, oh my gosh, this is going to be a good banger here, Nico. I'm telling you, brother, you got to be involved with that because that will bail you out <laughs> on that next show when you have totally, you know what I'm saying, exhausted your voice. And so, yes, take care of it. If it's your instrument, it belongs to you. Sleep if you can, hydrate, and avoid alcohol and caffeine. If you can, no judgments if you can. <laughs> <laughs> now, for somebody who plays the game, uh, do you commentate on yourself when you're playing or do you commentate in your, in the, in your head or, or do you vocalize like when you're playing or, or like, cause I've always wondered, like, since you're now a professional, do you, do you catch yourself saying like, this is what I would have said if somebody was watching me? 
Oh yeah, all the time, all the time. Uh, that's how I uh, audition new stuff. Um, ah. I, I'm not a firm believe. I don't. I don't like the casters who keep joke books or commentary books because they seem forced. Like when mm. someone goes, "Oh man, I have to take a shower because that shot was dirty." It's like, oh yeah, you wrote that down somewhere. No, because it's, it's it's cheesy, right? It's super cheesy. But when yeah. you when you're playing with yourself and you go, "Oh man, he shanked it," or or "Oh man, that was a," or, or more importantly for me is vocabulary. So mm. a lot of times people will tell me, "You have these way with words, and how do you do that?" Because when you're in the run of of a game you kind of rely on the same words you always do you end up saying awesome 10 times you end up saying fantastic 10 times mm -hmm. and i go well the way i train myself is that i find a new word and find out what it means so let's say this is the cool salubrious is a word salubrious means very very cool for those of you who don't know i know you don't Miko. you're a smart brother uh, but, <laughs> but like so how do i put that in my vocabulary you have to say it out loud because you can't be like whatever salubrious so I will go and I'll play and I'll go, oh, what a salubrious display. I try accents. Oh, salubrious, 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 you know? So when it comes down to the run of play and I'm like casting in the moment, that word has been said so many times, it now exists in the frontal lobe of my brain. So now I can be like, oh, that was a salubrious play. Fantastic strike and glorious. You know what I mean? So people go, where you get these words from? It's because, I think it's one time I did a show and someone missed an easy shot. And I was like, I, I am bewildered, befuddled, flummoxed, and flabbergasted as to why they did that. They're like, did you write that down? I go, no, but that was two and a half hours of training saying hmm. those words while playing the game myself. Wow, that is so interesting. So you are a wizard of the words. That is so... Sometimes. Sometimes. No, that, and that's actually pretty, pretty impressive how you're able to train yourself because it's as you said if you're not capable of doing that massive amount of practice on your own it's not going to come out in a very natural and authentic way it's going to sound very forced and to play and to actually use it on yourself to make it seem like okay did this flow correctly did this make sense or would this have been better if i did it on the offensive play versus the defensive play or just on a mistake or just on a like well uh, connected play. So that's actually pretty intriguing that you're able to uh, practice on yourself. And how do you uh, decide which word you use? Do you just look through like word of the day on dictionary.com or uh, do you just go on the dictionary and just randomly point to a word or just search up adjectives? How do you come up with which word you're going to train yourself on? I, I wish I was that like that discipline. I'm not. So I, I, do, uh, <laughs> I wish, no, for real, I should do that. Uh, <laughs> not, to, not to my mom who was always like, look at the dictionary. Um, no, I, I use a, a word of the day email or a word of the day calendar. So I had a calendar a couple of years ago. And if you get one of those, mm -hmm. great. The one I use is the word genius. So if you sign up for word genius, they'll send you a word of the day. And and sometimes the words are like archaic and you're like, what the hell? I'm not going to do I can't use that. And then some words, you do get words like acidulous or like, like salubrious or like befuddled. And you're like, oh, maybe I can use that just to be kind of cool. And and sometimes you'll try it and you go, nah, that doesn't work. And I think that helps helps out with comedy too. You know, people always say, oh, you're a comedian. Just go and say it and tell jokes. I go, one of the things you do miss when you're in at home or working on material is crowd response or right, how right, does it right. feel when you say it? So when I rehearse on my own and I go to a stream 
and I say it, and the and the, the chat goes, "What the heck is he talking about? That's weird. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean?" I go, "Okay, <laughs> not doing that." But since I I play around, and so there's one time, for example, and please, I, for those of you who are listening from England, I apologize, but I have this bit where I I go when a show when a shot goes in, it's amazing. Go well. As they say in England, that shot was absolutely extraordinary, <laughs> and there's more in the offing, and that and that came from FIFA because yeah, FIFA yeah, had yeah, these yeah. like homespun phrases, more in the offing, something I never even heard of until I watched FIFA. But I said it like that, and it came out of nowhere because I'm a brother from Brooklyn, right? Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. when people in the chat goes, "Did he just say absolutely extraordinary?" and it becomes like a, like a, a bit, and everyone's kind of cracking up. As a comedian, I go, "I've won." Whether or not that, that, that's the best call to make in a situation, as long as people are entertained enough to be engaged enough to mm -hmm. write down a chat, win, lose, or draw, then I've done my job as a color caster there because people are understanding there's more value to listening to us and just having us on mute. Now, for for <clears throat> just like, I, it, it's so intriguing. Do you ever have like any of your co-casters like literally ask you what that word means, especially if it's a word that's like, out of the ordinary or especially oh, yeah. out of their normal vocabulary so it, it so it could be embarrassing but i always make it to a bit <laughs> no sorry because it could be like oh so, sorry you know what i mean but like I, when someone goes well, what the hell are you talking about nova and i go it's an st word look it up read a book have you read a book before <laughs> so, so like that banter covers me because it doesn't make me look like oh, i don't know what i'm doing but because we, we no. break down to have that like moment of like friendship on on stream People go, oh, these people are having a time of their life. They're having fun. They're ha and if they're having fun, I'm having fun. <laughs> you know? Man. And, and and since you have so many voices, I just want to throw out an additional occupation possibility. Have you ever thought about doing audiobooks? Because the way that you have so many different ranges of voices, so many <laughs> accents, I'm just thinking, like, if I wrote a book with, like, 15 different voices, I wouldn't need to hire 15 different people. I'd just be like, yo, I need to hit a Flobo. He got all the voices. Uh, thank you so much. I mean, I've, I've dabbled. Uh, nothing's really worked out of it yet. But if I found the right project, of course, I would definitely do that. I'll, the more things I can do where I can be myself, that is the name of the game. I'll do it. <laughs> Farm of the gig there, Nico. <laughs> well, with, with that said, I do want to wrap it up because I'm having so much fun and I don't want to steal any more of your time. So thank you so much for joining, giving us literally an insight into what goes on to being an esports uh, commentator, shoutcaster, uh, comedian, uh, entertainment network owner, uh, wrestler, fanatic, podcaster, author, so many different things. And who knows in 12 months, what else is going to come your way? Cause with every 12 months, you're having like a new profession and you're able to <laughs> juggle it like, like a professional juggler at the circus, just 15, 16 different <laughs> occupations. No worries. Yo, thank you. Um, and so anybody that does listen to this in the future, just know that Flowboy he might not be available. So you need to hit him up right now. Like right now, hit him up right now for anything that you have going on. Other yeah. than that, thank you so much for taking the time once again. And I wish you nothing but the best. Oh, thanks for having me on the show. So much fun to talk about the craft. <laughs> and before I have you go, I do want to give you that one other opportunity to give yourself a little more fluff, a little more uh, extravagant and a little bit more credibility as well as uh, let them know where they can support you as well. 
First of all, I got to support my man Nico over here. Like, comment, subscribe <laughs> if you haven't done that already. What are you waiting for? Just taking that free content without a subscribe? What is wrong with you? But if you're if you're down with that, flobito.com, F-L-O-B-I-T-O.com, and my business, newamsterdam.com. That's K-N-E-W, Amsterdam.com. Follow those websites. Learn more about me. All righty. With that said, take care and have a great rest of your night. And I hope everybody that heard was able to enjoy. Gobble, gobble.